Hello, friends. There's lots of interesting things coming up in the Stoic Coffee community, so make sure that you sign up for my newsletter on my website at stoic.coffee. You can also follow me on Twitter at stoiccoffee and on Instagram at stoic.coffee, and you can find my LinkedIn page by searching for Stoic Coffee Break on LinkedIn. Now, I also wanted to let you know that I'm starting a mastermind for tech entrepreneurs as the world of tech is accelerating, and I've had people reaching out to me for a group grounded in Stoic principles. I'll be your facilitator as we tackle some of the big questions in tech using the tools of Stoicism. I have a few spots left for senior tech entrepreneurs and decision makers to join me for a one-hour bi-weekly session. I'll be interviewing candidates to form a tight group for the first cohort of five people, plus myself. Now, if you're interested in joining this, please reach out to me at masterminds at stoic.coffee. Now, again, that's masterminds at stoic.coffee. Thanks again, and thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and I appreciate your support. Hello, friends. My name is Eric Cloward, and welcome to the Stoic Coffee Break. Today's episode is called Beyond Fear, because I think that a lot of us have been feeling a lot of fear over the last year. I know that in my personal life, I definitely have. So this is something that I think is important for all of us to look at and understand why we have fear. How different would your life be if you could live without fear? What kind of a person would you be? What actions would you take if you weren't afraid? Seneca said, A number of our blessings do us harm, for memory brings back the agony of fear, while foresight brings it on prematurely. No one confines his unhappiness to the present. Fear is a powerful force in our lives, and it can be the driver of a lot of action or a lot of inaction. Because it taps into the hardwiring of our lizard brains, it kind of pushes us into reacting in ways that are more basic and instinctual. Fear also makes it a lot harder to use our higher reasoning skills. When we're afraid of something, we believe that something is going to hurt us. Usually fear is triggered by something outside of ourselves. And whether we fear something is going to hurt us physically or mentally or emotionally, our perceptions and our thoughts around what is happening is really what causes the fear that we feel. Now, when we're afraid, our ability to make rational decisions is really diminished. And depending on the severity of the situation, we may react to actions that in the short term feel like we are protecting ourselves, but in the long term can cause an awful lot of problems. Now, anger is the outward expression of fear. Usually when somebody is angry, they are trying to control something that is scaring them, whether that's a situation or another person. In the case of physical danger, anger might be used to scare a threat away. In an argument, it might be used to try and bring somebody into compliance. Now, fear is such a powerful force that it's often used in politics to try and control others and to sway elections. By creating fear through rhetoric meant to amplify real or perceived threats, people are less likely to use their higher reasoning skills, and they act upon their baser instincts. Current and past problems are blamed on some other group. Tales of imagined future catastrophes are used to spur followers into action against the supposed enemy. And whether those claiming that there's a stolen election or that you're going to lose your job to some immigrants, by stoking up fear, their followers become much easier to manipulate. 
people can become so fearful that they will be easily influenced into taking actions that they probably normally wouldn't do. Now, recently I've come to the realization that many of my choices and actions come from a place of fear. The more I pay attention to it, the more I see how it influences the things that I do and say and the things that I don't. And I see how a lot of my habits are in place just to avoid something uncomfortable. I will often unconsciously make a decision based upon what somebody might think, or I'll avoid saying something just to avoid a conflict. This is where a lot of my people-pleasing comes from, because I'm afraid if I don't behave or act in a certain way, they won't like me. Now, if you're like me, you may also have a low level of anxiety that colors most things. Because of how I was brought up and always worrying about any misstep because of the church and my family, I'm always on alert for the other shoe to drop. And filtered through that lens of anxiety, I can find something wrong in any situation. And this kind of thinking is very unconscious, and I usually don't even notice it, and I don't notice that I'm in that state of vigilance and that I'm kind of prepared for any threat that might come my way. So when a situation does come up where I feel threatened, I have a very strong, oftentimes will have a very strong reaction, which at the time felt appropriate. But once things calm down and I can look at it, I can see that I probably overreacted in that situation. So how do we manage our fear? How do we minimize this impact on us? And how can we begin to get control over this powerful emotion so that we're in the midst of feeling this, we can choose to be intentional with our responses rather than simply react? Marcus Aurelius said, Today I escaped anxiety. Or no, I discarded it because it was within me, in my own perception, not outside. Simply put, fear is the result of our thinking. When a situation comes along, we project what we think the outcome is going to be, and if we judge that it's positive, then we're generally going to be happy. But if we decide that it's likely going to be a negative outcome, we might feel upset. And if you look at it, our mood has been changed by something that hasn't even happened. Some of us get stuck agonizing over things that happened in the past. We worry about something that can't be changed and can be held hostage by something that can no longer affect us, except in the inner world of our minds. Because fear is created by our perception of things, we can learn how to change our perceptions. We can train ourselves to look at things in a different way, and we can decide what thoughts are useful and which ones trap us in a prison of our own making. Now, when you control your thinking, you recognize the patterns and thoughts that create that fear, and you can choose new and more helpful ones. Now, the first step of reducing the fear in our lives is to remember that fear is created by the thoughts in your head. It is not a real thing. I cannot stress how important this idea is. Anytime that you feel fear or anxiety, instead of looking outside for what is causing it, look inside, look inward, and look to your thoughts. The next step to changing our perceptions is developing the skill of awareness. We need to become observers of how we think. So it's estimated that the average person has around 60,000 thoughts a day. And most of us go throughout our day without thinking too much about what thoughts we are actually having. To pay attention to every single thought that we have is really not something we can do. 
And our society is not set up in a way that we can easily slow down and take stock of how we're thinking. I mean, we constantly have unending distractions around us. And even when we have a spare moment where we could spend some time noticing what's happening in our minds, we usually opt instead for looking at our phones to catch up on Twitter or Facebook or the latest TikTok, and which takes us out of our present situation and takes us somewhere far away. Now, this kind of mindfulness takes patience and training. And two of the most practical tools of mindfulness have been with us for thousands of years. And that's meditation and journaling. And in fact, Marcus Aurelius' Meditations is his journal. Now, many people tend to shy away from meditating. I often hear from others how hard it is to meditate. Because sitting quietly with your thoughts can feel strangely uncomfortable. I personally find it difficult to do more than 15 minutes at a time. And for many, the idea of meditation is sitting on the floor trying to clear all the thoughts from your mind. And what has helped me is when I do a meditation practice where I try to become aware of my body and my sensations and my thoughts. I don't try and clear them out of my head. I just try to pay attention to what's going on. I'm an observer of myself. And when my mind has wandered away and has followed my thoughts down some rabbit hole, I focus back on my breathing to kind of recenter myself so that I can start paying attention again to the thoughts and not become involved in those thoughts. There's also what's called kind of a walking or active meditation. And this is where you focus very intently on some task that you are working on, whether that's washing the dishes or working in the garden or going for a run. You just try to be as present as possible, and you focus your attention on what's around you. You focus on the dish or the tool in your hand. You focus on the feeling of your foot landing and pushing off the road. And this type of practice moves us from just seeing what's going on to observing what's going on. And this practice of mindfulness helps us stay more present, and we stay out of the past, and we stop worrying too much about the future. Journaling is another way to get back in touch with the constant flow of thoughts in your mind. And in The Artist's Way, author Julia Cameron recommends what she calls the morning pages. And the basic idea is to write three pages in kind of a stream of consciousness, with no real topic or goal in mind, just what comes to your mind. And there's no judgment, there's no goal, and you're just free to explore whatever thoughts are, are appearing in your consciousness and leaving. Once you become more aware of the thoughts in your mind, you can start to choose what you want your observations to mean. You can decide how you want to respond to a situation. If you don't actively choose your judgments and your responses, you end up reacting to things happening around you. You're either an active participant in your life or you become acted upon. But what about things in the past? Since these are things that happened and can't be changed, how can we make an active choice to do something about them? Well, we can decide to reinterpret what those things meant. So if we had a hard or painful thing in the past, we can look at it as something terrible that happened to us, or we can look at it as a difficult situation that we figured out how to get through. You can look at your scars as something ugly and something to hide, or you can look at them as battle wounds that you proudly earned. It's all about how you decide to look at it because you're the one who gives those things meaning. Now, when it comes to things in the future, we can start to recognize the futility of worrying about what may happen. 
because most of the futures that we imagine will not happen. Now, this isn't to say we should be complete, that we should completely ignore what may happen because, because we need to prepare for emergencies. But it does mean that we shouldn't obsess about all the possible outcomes or only focus on the possible negative ones. When we learn how to manage our thinking better and staying out of that place of fear, we can make better decisions, which may help bring about the future that we really want. Learning how to manage your thinking and recognizing that we are the ones that create our fear, we can decide to interpret things in a more positive way. Now, this doesn't mean that we are naive or overly optimistic, because we want to be sure that we see reality for what it is. But it does mean that we can choose to view something as a difficult or a fearful thing, or a challenge that we can learn from and grow stronger. And that's today's Stoic Coffee Break. As always, be good to yourself, be good to others, and thanks for listening. Hey friends, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you like what you hear, I would really appreciate if you could help support me by making a pledge on Patreon. You can find me at patreon.com slash stoiccoffee. Even just a small amount helps in keeping this podcast going. Also, head on over to my website at www.stoic.coffee and sign up for our weekly newsletter. And lastly, if you know someone that might like or could benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to help this podcast grow. Thanks again for listening.